Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill with this opportunity to come together in this virtual space to to praise you and to worship you and to learn more about how we do that. And so, Father, even as we're, we're here today, that each person that's logged in that will be listening, whether that be today, tomorrow, or another day, God, that we would encourage them in a new way, that we'd help them to find new ways to, to just reach out to you and to become that light of Christ in the world. So we thank you for this, and we thank you for their willingness today, God, and that you will reward them for that. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the church say, amen. Amen, amen. All right, team. Good to have you back, every single one of you. Good morning, Next Movement Church. Mini dab. Um, just glad to have you back again on this beautiful Sunday morning. Um, we're glad to have know that you've joined us again in this virtual house of the Lord. And if you're new here, we just want to say good morning and you're and welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So if you've been here for a while, just you know, welcome back. And we just hope you're ready to dig in because we are getting close to the end of this series. Yeah, we're getting close again to the end of something. So this is our 16th week. So we're getting, like I said, close to ending on almost never ending topic. But we're drawn closer to the end of the series and we're digging through the most foundational spiritual practices, which are rooted in life and experiences of the early church. And again, I highly recommend there are some really great books on this topic if you're trying to continue reading. And I will definitely post a link um, in our materials page at some point on our website to the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook by um, Adele Calhoun. I highly recommend that one. There's a couple other books out there that I that I recommend that I'll that I'll probably tag and put there in the resource guide. But we're if you want to continue your journey there and find out about some really sometimes even lesser known practices, those are all things that you can you can read into and find ones that meet you right where you are in your stage of life. But so what we have been doing is is just covering the disciplines that are really fundamental to the church and the ones that have been carrying the church over the course of its centuries of life. And so these disciplines have endured church history as we did explore one week. And so if I hope you're energized and excited and ready to learn again today because there is much for us to cover, a lot of interaction I'm going to need today and your help and support to get through it. So if you're ready to go and get through it, just give me the biggest thumbs up that you got. Thumbs up one more time. If you get your, you got good thumbs. Good job. They're all beautiful. Look at your beautiful thumbs. Look at those thumbs. Just tell thumbs. You are so beautiful thumbs. Good thumbs. See, this is part of what makes you human. Posable thumbs. <laughs> if you didn't know that, that's part of what makes you a human being. We're having posable thumbs. So we're grateful for our posable thumbs. All right. If you're new here, just interested in getting caught up, um, go to nextmovementchurch.com. Use our, our podcast link and go through Spreaker and, and pull up those, those sermons there. And we will gladly help you get caught up and help you move forward with confidence or send us an email here at the church and we will give you a link so that you could go back and read them all. All right. So we are building strong lives with the foundation that we've laid over the past 15 weeks. And I'm telling you, can you imagine what the foundation of your body would be like if you stuck to a workout plan for 15 weeks? I want you to imagine that for a moment. What would you, what could you look like right now? If you were, if you stuck to a workout or an eating plan for 15 weeks, 
You, do you know that that's what they advertise to you on television? In 30 days, we'll get you. In 90 days, we'll get you. And if you think about that, they run everything around this whole idea of like 90 days. It's a, you're at 16 weeks of, 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 of building here. And so we are so, and so hopefully you're starting to form and shape in new ways um, since you've been participating with us here. And so just you take the time and go back over your notes here and there and revisit concepts that you haven't thought of. But we're not going to let the learning end here. We're going to continue it so that we can take that, take that newfound strength into other parts of our lives. But before we do that, we always have to remind ourselves of really the reason why we do what we're doing. And that comes from our our definition through Professor Brian Eck, which says spiritual disciplines have been used over the centuries as a means to help people of faith reorder their lives. And their purpose is to address disorder, dysfunction, and disconnection and by reorienting how one thinks, behaves, and relates to God and one's community. And so this is really important because, you know, we, we tend to accumulate things over time, right? We may start off with good ideas, good intentions, um, and we bring things into our lives that are helpful. But over time, we accumulate. <coughs> Excuse me. We accumulate. And because we are accumulating, we sometimes are taking on things that are creating disorder, dysfunction, dis disconnection. I mean, every one of us at some point has to go through and go through our closets and get rid of stuff, don't we? How many of you, how many of you have things that you need to get rid of in your closet right now? I mean, I got... Too many. Yeah. If you be honest, there's so much stuff that you need to get rid of in your closet. Sometimes you go through your, your cupboards. You're like, I have too many dishes. I have too many pots I don't use. I have too many. You know, there's so many things that you've collected over time. And sometimes then they're good when you get them initially. But sometimes they start to create disorder or dysfunction or even disconnection because we're so we become attached to these things. And so what we're saying here is that even in our spiritual lives, we have to go through and sometimes disconnect and change how we think we behave and relate to God and community because we become so muddled and bogged down with additional information and resource and people and practices and places we've gone. And so we need to reorder those things so that we're in the best place to keep company with Jesus. So we are always working on what it means to keep company with Jesus. Now, for us to truly embrace spiritual disciplines the right way, we have to always start with the other D, which is the right desire, right? And so unlike many other faiths, we're talking about that spiritual practice of Christians to not just master a practice and, you know, get lean for 15 weeks. But what we're trying to do is make sure that we are doing what's necessary to make room for God, make room and keep company with Christ, make new ways for us to, to keep our relationship um fresh and, th and thriving in so many different ways. And so that's a lot of why we do what we're doing. So we never become, this doesn't become just religious or routine for us to be with Jesus. So again, if you're, so we don't use these practices just to gain success, approval, respect, none of those things. It's for us to create spaces that become gateways, altars, um, you know, opportunities for us to connect and build a healthy relationship with God. All right, you've heard that so many times, you could teach it for me. Now, now we are committed to walking through some of these disciplines again through our practices um, with an acronym called worship, right? And we say worship because we know that worship <clears throat> is at the center of all we do, but it also gives us a nice format for remembering the ways that we want to connect to God. And so we are always asking ourselves when we think of worship, 
How do I want or need to be with God? <clears throat> and I'm pretty sure that it's different for you today than it was yesterday or last week or since circumstances in your life have changed. There are new ways, a different way that you need to connect to God. And so here we are today having you again take a look and say, which way do I need to be with God right now? Where do I need it most? And a lot of, and some of you may need to worship God and, and just honor him and the beauty of his holiness. Um, some of us are in need of opening ourselves to God and giving ourselves room for him to come in and rule and reign in our lives. Some of us are, you know, needing to get rid of that false self or, or the heart or the idols of the heart, you know, the things that are in front of God. And so that's also an important way for us. We got to be honest and, um, and pure before him. You know, it always says, we say that those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in what? Truth, right? Spirit and in truth. So this is where we talk about being truthful and being truthful with, with God and with others. Also learning how to share my life. Once I'm living in a space of truth, I can, be, I can share my life in a different way because I'm not, I'm not trying to just do it to please anyone um, or to maintain a status with anyone. I'm here to share my life in the most sincere way that I possibly can. Also, we've talked about what it means to hear the word of God. And so this was this was um, a great one when we talked about Bible study and Lectio Divina, devotional reading. And so there are different ways that we can go in and hear God. You can hear God prophetically. You can hear God. You can hear God um, through still soft voices. But most of us are going to hear God on a daily basis right here through the scripture. It's that simple. If you want to hear God every single day, this is your way to get there. So don't forget, you can always read God, hear God through the scripture. And of course... We are down here to an I today, which is the incarnate, how to incarnate Christ's love for the world. Uh-huh. This is going to be a great one for us to talk about. I think this will be a fun refresher for you. And then, of course, at the end of it all, we're going to learn more about prayer, what it means to pray. There's so many different ways and types to pray. We have a good foundation of that in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. But I'm looking forward to exploring and giving names to some of the ways that you have been praying over the years. And maybe finding new ways that you can execute on your prayer so that you feel so you feel more um, productive <laughs> when you're doing it. So that is where we are going to be today. So I want you to take a quick look at that list one more time and just for a second, look over it and say, hey, you know, where am I today? Am I where, where what am I looking for the most today? And what am I going to what am I working on? Asia, I want you guys here. I need your help for service. Okay, come on. So this is so now that you've had the chance to look over that, we're going to move forward. And I know last week we left off on the H. So let's talk about the H again, really briefly. Um, last week we finished up that exploration, and when we said H, we're talking about the hearing disciplines. Um, and the hearing disciplines are ones are the practices that help us to form the mind of Christ, right? And so, where's your brother? Get him. Um, these are ones that help us to form the mind of Christ. And so where we decided to start that is with the Shema, right? And so the Shema um, is right here for us to read in Deuteronomy 6. And you can read the entire chapter, but verses 4 through 5 is where we put a lot of our emphasis. And so it says again, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength. Amen? And so 
this is this is that prayer that the Hebrew people have been able to to pray every single day for centuries. And get your get your chairs and don't make noise, please. Thank you. And they've been praying it for centuries, and this is their declaration every day, almost their almost their pledge of allegiance every single day to the Lord to abandon all other gods and to make sure that that he is at the center of all that they do and all that they inherit all all that they inherit and all that they they become and so here we are we said again here O lord the lord our god the lord is one love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength and that's not something that we should we should ignore either that's a great practice for us to to inherit as well too the opportunity to to pray our commitment to god every day now in our exploration of this and the Shema, we also talked about Jesus. And we talked about how Jesus extended this command to love God by including the command to love people, right? So we talked about not just this idea of loving loving vertically, but also loving horizontally, that, that completion of our cross, right? Love God, love people. And so Jesus says here, and Mark 21, 29 through 31, it says, he says, the most important one, as in commandments, is this. It says, it says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So he's directly quoting the Shema, right? The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he extends it and says, the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these, right? Amen. So the command to love God and love people is a really powerful observation for us as Christ followers because it reiterates the importance for a really balanced for balanced spiritual development. So when we're talking about using spiritual disciplines, we can never forget the constant reminder that God sees our efforts to love him and to love people on the same plane. It, it matters that it's just as important for us to express our love and grow in our love for God as it is for us to express and grow in our love for people. Okay. You need both. So our practices that we engage in when it comes to, to this is to be a mix of being connected to God and connected to community, whatever community he's placed you in. And that's the people in your home, the people on your job, the people at your church, the people wherever he can send you to. All right. So our job is to do both love God and love people. So always remember that that's your cross. Love God, love people. That's what you're, that's what the mission is all about. So as we moved a little further on that last week, we also reviewed that connection between Revelation 22, 22 and 4 and Deuteronomy 6 and 8. And this is also found in the Shema when we talked in Deuteronomy 6, 8. It says that um, you shall bind these words as a sign on your hands, right? And they shall be symbols between your eyes or between the frontlets of your eyes. And so you're talking about your hands and your eyes. And so what we, what we understood there is that the physical location of on your hands and between your eyes are important symbols because they talk about all that you do and all that you see, right? All so your vision and your action, your vision and your action. So what we're, so it should your love for God and people should cover your vision and your action. And it comes all the way from the early parts of the Bible in Deuteronomy all the way to the end of the Bible in Revelation. It is like bookends for the whole story is for us to be able 
to love the Lord thy God with all your mind, soul, body, strength, all this stuff that we're talking about, and to love them as yourself, Jesus drops in the middle of that. So we start with love the Lord your God, all your mind, soul, strength, bind it on your hands and between your eyes. Then Jesus comes in and says, yeah, do all of that and love people. And then we get here in Revelation when it says, and you're going to take all of what you learned and do it, bind it on your hands and with your eyes. So we got to do both. And it's for eternity. So get loving. <laughs> get loving, get loving, find a way to love those people, find a way to love the unlovable folks, because we're going to be doing it into eternity. We're not just dancing on streets of gold, and we're not just enjoying grapes and all kinds of foolery. We are going to be loving those same people because they're going to be there. What? They're going to be there. Uh, we used to, um, there used to be a lot of jokes about, you know, like um, religious denominations that think that they're the only ones going to heaven, right? <laughs> and I, I'm sure you've all heard a joke before or two of a, of a religious denomination or two that, that thinks that they're the only ones going to heaven and then they're going to get there and then all of us will be there and then they're going to be so disappointed because, <laughs> because all of us are there. But, you know, that's the thing is that we will always be in a position to, to where we're going to have the people that are around us. So get along with them because we're going to see them again. We're going to see them again. All right. So on the screen, you have the best known practices for hearing God's word to us, right? So over the past two weeks, we covered all of these. And that, that's what my summary was just about. Um, these practices, the Lectio Divina, which is devotional reading, which was which is a great way to, to study your Bible. So go through your Bible. Then there's actual Bible study, which we're becoming investigative and asking questions and questions about ourselves and how we relate to Jesus and, and how that applies to our world and our lives. Where does it intersect? And so that's the, it's different than devotional reading because devotional reading is where we allow the scripture to master us. And this, and Bible study is where you get in to try to master scripture. You're trying to get in there and understand it and, and apply it. Then we talked about meditation, right, and memorization, and we t and we spent a lot of really good time talking about those last week because we explored um, these as layered practices. That's what I'll call them, layered practices, because you can use them to enhance other practices and other disciplines or experiences. So I, I really enjoyed our conversation around meditation because we got to dismantle some, you know, some just popular media thought around this. So as a refresher, meditation is the slowing down and giving of one's undivided attention to God, right? And we do this by exploring his written word and his created order, right? So this is, so right away you're seeing that meditation isn't just this practice of removing anything. It's more of a replacement of everything with God's words and the mind of God. So we talked about this um, by making sure we're not just dumping ourselves empty to be empty. You know, you're not clearing your mind just to be empty. You're there to replace it with the mind and the word of God. You're making new connections. And so we did this and explored this through the Hebrew and through the Hebrew word. And does anybody remember what the Hebrew word is? Not the peanut gallery, because I know you guys know the magic H word. What is the ah! H word? What is the H word? Anybody? Can they give it to me? Starts with the H-A. <laughs> What's the H word? What's the H word for meditation? I see it. My God, you're in. Haga. Good job. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Let go. There you go, Elaine. Hey, look at y'all. Okay. Okay, folks. I'm, all right. I know I'm not typing it. They got it. So, 
So here we are. So the Haggah, right? And so Haggah is the word that we explored last week, which means to meditate, which is our word where we get meditation from or meditate. And so Haggah, and it occurs, like we said, about eight or nine times in the Bible, not an extremely common word, but the majority of times that we have explored this word, it has, it's in reference to something that animals do, right? And it's, and usually we're looking at them eating at, at this point. So this is usually when they chew or savor or growl or even like mutter. Or, and so this is what we're talking about when we're talking about to Haggah the word. This is, this is what we're doing. We should be taking the Bible and memorizing portions of scripture and chewing on it, not in the physical sense, Asia, and um, re- you know, imagining and taking the time to, to, to mutter over it, utter it, repeat and, and ingest it so that it becomes a part of us, right? So meditation to Haggah. And so that is something that visually we can, we can see, like a lion Haggahing over his prey. We are to do the same thing when we take this word. You're to Haggah it, ingest it, read it, regurgitate, that redigest, take it in. So that is the whole purpose of Haggah. All right. So this week we are we are we are there. Believe it or not, we've completed our review for this week, and we are there for our next our next group of, of disciplines. And so this week we are going to be talking about what it means to incarnate Jesus. So this is incarnating Jesus. Okay. And I know you have thoughts and ideas, and I know that they're probably all good and all right. And but we're going to talk through it together. We're going to lay a foundation. And then talk about what that means to move forward. So we are going to, before we dive right in um, to the lesson on this matter, I'm going to show you, just give you a peek at the group of disciplines that are attached to incarnating Jesus. And I will bring these back again at some point. But this is the this I, this is an entire group of disciplines that are attached to incarnating Jesus. We're talking about blessing others and encouragement. You are caring for the earth. You are showing compassion. You have control of your tongue. You are showing forgiveness. You are showing humility. You are showing you are showing justice or, or participating in justice is a part of is a part of incarnating the love of Christ. Having solidarity, as they call it, in Jesus. You know, also stewardship is an important part of showing or incarnating the love of Christ. All truth-telling is a part of incarnating the love of Christ. So this is an entire list of disciplines that we could pull apart separately. But I think what's more important is for us to take the time to talk about what it really means to incarnate. And then you can find those disciplines as you go. Okay, so if we ever want to go through these one at a time, we should. I think justice is a great one for us to talk about because it's actually a humongous humongous, big, huge theme that's from cover to cover in the Bible. So maybe we'll go back and do a series on justice. But this is the list. If you want to show the love of Christ in the earth, here we go. Okay, here's your list. Blessing others, encouragement, care for others, compassion, control of the tongue, forgiveness, humility, justice, solidarity in Jesus, stewardship, and truth telling. So this was just a sneak peek. We're going to come back to that. We are going to come back to that. So before we pick any of these and make them, the per, let's not talk about the individual disciplines at this time, but let's talk about what it just means to incarnate Christ. 
Let's talk about that. And there is no better place for us to start. And I'm sure you, the first scripture you Bible scholars out there thought about when we said the incarnate Christ, no better place to start than John 1, right? <laughs> no place, better place to start than John 1. So we're going to read 1 through 14 together, but I'm going to read it and show you some visuals along the way. So we're going to read it and then I'm going to show you some visuals along the way and after we're done with that so that we can we can um we can grow together. Let's put it that way. We're going to grow together. So let me make sure that I even have my visuals with me. Cuz that's also important too, right? Okay, my visuals are there. Good. That means we'll get there. All right, so we're going to read. And it reads, "In the beginning was the word and the word was what? With God. With God. And the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Big grand story here. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all men might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, and he was the world, was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. And he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God mm. and who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And everyone say, amen. amen. So we're going to go back and break this down with some visuals because we need to understand. Clearly, we're getting to verse 14. So I'm going to just tackle maybe verses 1 through 4. So if you've are if you got a Bible near anything, this is a great time to have one. Because we're going to go through verses 1 through 4-ish, 4-ish maybe, 4-4, maybe even up to 8. And then we're going to jump back down here to verse 14 where it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the, as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth, right? So this, these visuals I'm pulling, I actually came from a really cute website um, called Simple, Simple Home Blessings. And, she, and they were doing a whole inductive study with, um, with kids on this topic. And so I thought that these were going to be great tools for us to use to walk through this scripture and understand it a little better. So when we talk about verse 1... When we say, verse 1 reads what? It said, in the beginning, the Word was the Word, right? And the Word was with God, 
and the word was God. So I'm going to go there. I'm going to put my Bible up. Let's take a look at it. Anybody got Bibles with you today? Anybody got a Bible? Good. And I would like to see if I could get a, a volunteer to put their finger in Genesis for me. Um, Genesis 1. And if you're putting your finger in there and you're going to be Genesis 1 for me, then I'm going to ask you to read for me in a little bit. <clears throat> but let's go back to, like I said, we're back here. John. And we're in John 1. And John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right? So let's ask ourselves this question. What was in the beginning? All right, Arena, what was in the beginning? What does it say in verse 1? And anybody is able to respond. So we're going we're gonna to talk together now. Talk together. So you can open your mics. You can type in. But what does it say? What was in the beginning? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So let, I'm going to ask you a few really bite-sized questions. So what, who, who or what was in the beginning? What was it? Really easy. Even kids. Word. What did you, you say, kids? The Word. Word. All right. Come on in, Ruby. Yep. It was the Word of God. There we go. So we got the Word. I see you in here too, Deanna. So I'm going to ask you the next question. So, um, so Ruby says, okay, in the beginning... The word was in the beginning, right? So who was God? Who was with God in the beginning? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the three in one. Okay, so the Holy Trinity is there, right? And if, uh -huh. if we're just reading here in John, in John chapter one, it says explicitly, it says here that the word, so in the beginning was the word. And then who was with God in the beginning? Jesus. Right there, it says, and the word, and the word was with was God. God. Right? So we're gonna so we're gonna pick apart this one line of scripture in such rich ways today. It's gonna be fun. And the word was God. All right, so here we go. So it says that so we'll get this together. Let's do this. Boom. It says here, right? We as we can see our little map, we have who was in the beginning? The word. word. Right? And who was in the beginning? And the word was with who? With God. With God. Right? So they're here together. We got that? We have the mm -hmm. word and God together. And what does it say about God and the word? That they are with each other, right? Mm -hmm. So they we are one. They are one. So we have God, which he, and we understand God to be who? Who is God? The Father. Right, we have got the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God the Son, right, and God the Holy Spirit. Right, so we have this beautiful Trinity situation here. We have this Word and God now, but we're, I won't even go into the depth of the Trinity talk yet. We'll just talk about what we're reading here. So we have in the beginning was the Word, because John is telling this story of this way for a reason. It says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and then what does it say about God and the Word after that? Because I got an equation down here. What does it say, Katie? What does this look like to you? God is the word. Yeah, that yeah, the word was God. God is the word, right? So it says in the beginning we have God that was the word, and the word was with God in the circle. And then but we also understand that the word was God, right? So whatever. So whatever happens with the word is also happening 
with God because God and the word are the same thing in some way, right? We need that picture. We need this picture in our minds. We need this as we go further. All right. So how do we show that something is equal in math? What do we do? We put a equal sign. Equal sign. <laughs> That's why we have it there on the screen just to keep us keep us going. So equal sign shows that relationship. Word and, and God and the word are equal. God and the word are equal. So that circle on the top is the beginning. That means we have the word and we have God. They were together, but they were equal. Right? God mm -hmm. and the word are together, but they're equal. It's equal. Then when you talk about the word, you were talking about God. Everybody got that? Mm -hmm. Amen. If you talk about word, you're talking about God. Perfect. Love it. So let's go to verse two. Who want, Does anybody have a Bible want to read verse two? The same was in the beginning with God. Mm-hmm. So he was in the beginning with God, right? So who's the he? The? Right God. there. The word, the word. The word. Yes, we're still talking about the word and God, right? So I said the word is still there. So we still have. So the same. So we have in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. So they're just reiterating it. It said, hey, God and the word have been together forever. They were there at the very beginning. Is this the New Testament? Yes. It sounds a lot like Genesis. It, it, high five. It sounds a lot like Genesis, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It sounds different Different That's words being used. One and two. Yeah. It sounds just like Genesis 1 and, and 2. I know the New Testament. Yeah. Right? So that, that matches what we're... And we're going to go into the New Testament. We're going into the Old Testament. I know the New Testament repeats a lot of the Old Testament. And, so. ne and needs to. And needs to. So we have here that who is he? So that word in verse two. So he was with God in the beginning. That word. Word was with God in the beginning. So when we say the beginning, peanut gallery just said it. We are talking about all the way in Genesis. In the beginning, this existed this way. So verse three says, verse three says, through him, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made. That was made. So who are we talking about again? God. Yeah. The word. Who was equal to? The word. There we go. The word. So I hear you in there, Beth. Do you have do you have Genesis on you? No, I'm I'm just trying to I don't. Okay, you're following along today? Anybody anybody got Genesis? I'm done. I'm gonna go let me go to Genesis. Deanna's ready for Genesis, so you get ready for the next scripture in Genesis. So I'll give you the next one to pick up. All right, Deanna, give me Genesis. Give me Genesis one and one. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. There we go. So we have in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So who was there with God? The word. The, the word. word. Right. The word mm -hmm. is there in the beginning. And he made the heaven right? and the earth. So we had in verse three, it says all things were made through him. The word, and without him, nothing was, was made. Nothing. Right? So we know mm -hmm. that if you look, what's the first? Read, read to me, Deanna, verse, verse three, Genesis 1, verse 3. Then God said, Let there be light. God there said, there, Let there be light, and there was light. So what, what, did, how do, what do you use when you speak? Words. 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 Yeah. Words. 
<laughs> right? right. Okay, so let, let's take a look again at verse. Um, go go to verse go to verse six. What does that say, Deanna? Then God said, "Let there be an expanse in the midst of the water, and let us separate the waters from the waters." So, what did God do? God spoke. The word. Spoke the word. Word. The word. Right. So we we're talking mm-hmm. about the word being here right at creation. Right. So mm-hmm. so John is taking this picture. Said, "Okay, folks, remember." The same word used to create the heavens and the earth in Genesis is who we're talking about here in John chapter 1. And the, right? So we need this same powerful creative word had the power to create heavens and the earth and all of this cool stuff in Genesis. The world that we're in. Amen? Amen. Was created Amen. by the word. So when we talk about we, we want get another word from God. Why this is this word created the earth? Anyway, let me continue. So we have the word, right? So let's go back to John again. John. So we said John three said all things were made were created through him, right? And mm-hmm. nothing he says what and without him not anything made that was made. And we have proof for that. You read that you read in Genesis. Everything that gets created, he creates with the word. Right in the beginning. We're all, we're all together on that? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, we're together. Yeah. So all things came into being by him and him which is being the Come word, on. and the word is God. The word is God. equal to God. Amen? So mm-hmm. wait a minute. So we got that in Genesis, right? So what, what kind of things did the word create? Let's talk about some of the things that he created in Genesis. What are some things he created with this just word? The, the animals. The animals. Land and sky. All right, land and sky. The light and the darkness. Light and the darkness, yes. What else? Separated the land from the water. Land from yeah. waters, yep. That beautiful permanent called the heavens. We have so much mm-hmm. that was created, right? Grass. Grass. Grass, trees, animals. Yes. Grass, trees, animals. So you, all the things that we are doing around us today are all things that were created by the word, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So this is good. So we are to, we're together on this. So let's say this. We can sum it up by saying that the word created uh, all things, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So let me move a little further. All things. <laughs> all right. So anything that was made was made by the word. Love it. Yeah. So in him, let's read verse four in John. It says, it says in verse four, it says in him. So the word, right? Because remember, Mm -hmm. we're tracking the story of the word here. We had the story of creation in Genesis, but now we're tracking the story of this, of what happens with the word here, right? So the word not created all things. And then when it says that in him, the word was life and the life was the light of of men. men. Wow. So Ooh. who is him in this verse again? The, the word. word. And what was in him? The word. word. What you got there, Elaine? What was in him? Right. Yes. The, the life. Of right? And that life was what? light of men. The light of men. So when we talk about people being here and passing on, we say that their light goes out, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the very life of men was in the word, which was in the beginning with God and was God. 
The, the, the same word that created all things is the same word that was the light and life of men, of all of mankind. Where did it say, where was the first time we heard, let there be light? Genesis. 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 Right. Genesis. What does it say? Right. And if you're in Genesis, it says in the beginning at creation. Anybody got their finger on Genesis still? How about yeah. that? There's your yeah. chance. Yes. Oh, Elaine's there. She beat you, Beth. You're too slow. Come on, Elaine. Uh, my, my phone's acting up. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Tell me, read to me about God creating the light, about let there be light. I think that's verse three. Oh, okay, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And there was light. So what we hear is that God creates let light, right? Let there be light, and there was light. And then we have this light that comes into the physical world. But then we talk about here in John about the light and life of men. And that also came through the word, right? So anything that's alive came through light at some point. So in the beginning... It was completely dark. When you read in Genesis, it was completely dark. No sun, no moon, no stars, right? Nothing. There was nothing there. Um, and verse five talks about that. So let's go back. Let's go back to verses four and five in John. It says here, in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind, all mankind, right? And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. This is good. So when it says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness not comprehended it. It's like not understood it and also not overcome it. So in the beginning, you know, we said God created the world and the world was completely dark. No sun, no moon, no stars. But what this verse tells us, what shined in the darkness, which was the light. And the light was the word, right? Mm -hmm. Was the mm -hmm. word. And who was the word? God. God. God, right? So we're coming to Jesus. We're getting there. We're not there yet, but we're almost there. So remember, we say God. And so we're here, God. So God lit up the darkness. So we have a God that lights up the physical darkness and also lights up the light of men, yes. right? Mm -hmm. So let, let's skip down to verse 14 in John. Now that we, we, we have a lot of good conversation that happens in here. But let's just go down to verse 14 in John. And it says here, the word became flesh and made, and made his dwelling among us, right? And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So we've had this great established relationship that we have the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The word creates all things, right? In a dark world, he creates all things. But there comes a point in our history where the word decides to become what? Life. Flesh. Yeah, flesh. flesh. So, he, so what's flesh? What's flesh? flesh what's this? Mankind. From man. Yeah, this stuff. That thing that could act like this whatever. Stuff. This, this earth suit that you're wearing is... Flesh. Actually more like plastic. Right? Not quite plastic. It's rubber. <laughs> but this 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 suit that you're wearing around right here, this body, this this face that you're that you're wearing right now is flesh, right? Mm -hmm. And it says at some point, this word that was involved in all of creation, that was with God and was God, came into a earth suit body. 
flesh and dwelt where? Among, Among men. Oh. <laughs> Among us. Oh. Right. Among us. Oh. So the word jumps into an earth suit and walks around in the earth Among with people. Oh, I love it. I love this. So he walks around with uh, with people. So when we read this, we almost always think of this in the historical context, right? Okay, he come. It's like, ooh, some of us might even think of this as as God jumps in this body and beams down and hangs out, right? Not quite, you know, because if we look in verse 14, I'm going to read it to you in the message. I remember I'll pop it up on the screen. Um, so like we said here, we have the word, which is equal to God, right? So we have the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, right? And the word and God were equal. They were together in the beginning, together. And through the word, all things are created. And that God, that word that creates all things, is also the life and the light of men. We have that, right? Also mm-hmm. the light and life of men. So, uh, so what makes men men, what makes them alive what makes them connected to God is right there is through that word, the light and life of men. And then we have this, this word is coming down into earth and puts on an earth suit, puts on flesh and dwells among us. He's right. He's he's among mankind. And so I'm going to give you this in a message really quickly, because this is where it leads into spiritual practice. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory as the one and only son from the father, right? So we're talking about the son of God, right? We see him in his glory, the only son of God, whose name is what? Jesus, Jesus right? Okay. Full of grace and truth. All right. Take it to the message. The word became flesh, put on the earth suit, became flesh and blood, people, human and moved into the neighborhood. Hello, neighbor. Yes. <laughs> moved into the neighborhood. And we saw the glory with our own eyes. The one of a kind glory. Like father, like son. Amen. Generous inside and out. True from start to finish. Read that again to yourself. Read that again. The word became flesh and blood. So this word that was at the beginning created everything, created all things. The light of life of men is in it. This word puts on a body and moves into the neighborhood. And we get to see him. We get to see all the glory of God and the word. The word. We get to see the glory of God in the flesh with our own two eyes. So when you're reading and talking about Jesus, we're seeing the glory of God with our own two eyes. And it, when you see him, it's like father, like son, you miss nothing. Yeah. If you see him, you see the father and they are what? Generous. Generous See that? Inside, inside and, and out. out. True from start to finish. Wow. It's the truth. Wow. So I love the way this is stated because he moved into the neighborhood and was generous inside and out. So capture these terms as pictures in your mind right now, because when we look at the list of disciplines, remember that big list of disciplines I showed you at the beginning of this conversation? Mm -hmm. Think of those because this list of disciplines in this category have 
everything to do or some level of being neighborly and generous with the love of God to others. That is how you incarnate Christ. If you are, if the incarnation of Christ was to be word become flesh. And we said that when he became, he put on the body and came into the neighborhood and he was like, if you saw him, you saw the father and he's generous in and out for us to put on Christ is to do what? So love our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah, look at all of this, right? So it's like we're it's like father, like son, like like Beth, like like Deanna, like Ruby, like Elaine, like Monica, like Michael. Look at we are to, we're when they see you, they should be like, oh, like Jesus. Oh, like the oh, like Jesus. <laughs> like if I see this person, I've seen Jesus. Not to, not in the sense that you're deifying yourself, but that you are a representation of like you. They should they get to see the glory of God with their own eyes by see, by meeting you or being in company with you. And that's awesome. your light so shine. Yeah, that's your let your light so shine among men, right? So this mm-hmm. so and but what does it say? How does he do this? Be generous in and out. There's so much to capture there. I love it. Okay, so let's look at the list one more. One more time then. Because like I said, we're, we're talking about moving into the neighborhood or wherever he's, wherever community you're in, place, and being generous in and out. True, true. Because remember, truth again, like I said, he who worships God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Oh. So we already talked about what it means to be truthful, right? And that's why it makes it into the list of spiritual disciplines for us to practice. When we are incarnate the love of Christ, when we are flesh walking the love of Christ, we are blessing others, right? Generous, encouragement, generous, care for the earth, compassion, control of the tongue. That's a part of our truthfulness. Truth telling's on this list. Forgiveness, humility, justice, solidarity in Jesus, stewardship. These are all ways that we are showing that we are Christ-like. That's the list, right? So it wouldn't benefit me for me to just bring you into the list. You know, we need to understand what that means to even come into the world. What are we coming into the world to look like and be like? Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> Who came into the world? Transformation. Yeah. He came in. He put on the earth suit as God. And came into the world and dwelt among us to give us the example so that we too can walk around like him. Amen. So this is so this is where we get it. Blessing others, encouragement, care for the earth, compassion, control the tongue, forgiveness, humility, justice, solidarity in Jesus, stewardship, truth telling. It would take us an entire month to cover all of this stuff. So this I would say, write them down. <laughs> write them down. If you have some questions, I'll, I'll, I'll get them to you. Deanna, sound like you want to say something there. Uh, well, it's total transformation. Yes. By the spirit working within us, uh, cleaning house <laughs> and uh, moving in. <laughs> Hallelujah. Right. Exactly. And, and that cleaning house is a big thing because believe it or not, there's things in our homes that we don't want to get rid of to make room <laughs> for this. Right. You know, and I, and that's why I said, you know, we want to cover talking about all of these practices today. We won't even try to. 
But, you know, just to remember that we don't get, that we get to choose how we who we extend these practices to is probably more important than the practices themselves, right? The fact that we, they, that we don't get to choose who we extend these practices to, blessing others, care and compassion, controlling the tongue, justice, humility. We don't get to choose who we extend this to. Our job is to be like Jesus was and extend it. We have to extend it. So whatever neighborhood we find ourselves in, we are to be reflections of Jesus, who is a reflection of Father God and extend generosity to all people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Which is tough because, you know, we know, we know the people we're, we're good with extending this to. We know the people we want to extend this to. But, you know, also, I'm going to ask, when I say all people, I mean all people. So I'm going to ask you, who's included in the all? Does God, okay, so does God love Democrats? Yes. <laughs> okay. Does God love yes. Republicans? Yes. yes. Does God love libertarians? Yes. Does yes. God love Does God love straight people? Yes. Yes. Does, yes. does God love LGBTQ people? Yes. 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 You see, what I want is that when we have this, that when we say love, that we don't have to attach the, the butts to it. I just ask a simple question: Who's the all? Does God love peacemakers? Yes. Yes. Does God love terrorists? He loves enemies too. Yeah. yeah. God loves yes. terrorists. Does God love law enforcement? Yes. Yes. Does God does God love does God love gossips? Yes. Mm-hmm. No. Right. He loves he may he love the gossip, but he doesn't love gossip. Yeah. He, he, doesn't love gossip. Gossip, he, he loves the gossiper. Yeah, there you go. See, he loves the gossip See, this is what we need to do is separate whatever the, the sin or the function is from the person. I'm talking about yeah, he loves the gossiper, but he does does he love gluttons? He, he, he yes. even loves people that are annoying. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, and you know, and I know it's easy to to get puffed up. And you know, in most Christian circles, they get puffed up right now. They said, "Well, well, God loves them, but he hates what they do." I didn't ask you about the butt. I just wanted to know what he said about who to love. <laughs> we can get to the butt later. Mm-hmm. Get to the butt. I just want to know who he said to have compassion on. Well, he didn't put us to be judge and jury either. Hey. Yeah. Tell him yeah. It's like, so who deserves justice? Everybody, right? Solidarity? Everybody. Forgiveness? Everybody. Humility? Everyone. Everybody. Right? Okay. So that yeah, because I know the, the groups that the groups that are out groups for us, we want we always justify with well, but God doesn't like blah. It's like, and is that my job? <laughs> nope. No, it's not my job. Nope. The word of God is going to be true, and his, his, his answer and judgment on anything will be what it is, whether we like it or not. Yep. Our job is to come into the neighborhood and to show the generosity. Yeah. Right? Yep. That's our job, is to come into the neighborhood and show the generosity. So God loves you. And he, we, like I said, I always love, well, God loves it. Like I said, God loves it and he hates what they do, right? Guess what? God loves you, and he hates some of what you do, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He hates some yeah. of what I do too. Right? True, true, true. Yeah, he loves those, he loves some of what I do too. So just say God loves them and end the sentence. Just end it right there. He loves them. You know, he loves them. And he wants them to come into the knowledge of him because the more knowledge of him that you come into is the more you want to please him. And there are things that we that we give up, not because we don't like them. 
but because we know it's not pleasing to God. And I'm pretty sure that all of us have, can have stories of things that we used to love and do that we, that we, that we quite like, honestly, but we stopped doing because we wanted to be pleasing to God. Yeah. But did that happen overnight? No, nope. not at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all. No, nope. not at all. That would take like. And every now and again, we still find ourselves slipping into the into the background, mm-hmm. huh? Yeah, like yeah. We, we all have that. We all have that. Yeah. Me included. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So we always have to be thoughtful of that. We we have to extend the love to people that we expect God to extend to us. Because if God was measuring His extension of His love to us based on how He extended it to people, I think we'd be different. <laughs> But, but that's, yeah, that's not what he's asking. He said, love always gives birth to more love. Yes. It always does. So if you're concerned about the sin of a group, you should always ask yourself, have you moved into the neighborhood? Have you showed them the love and generosity of God? Uh, rhetorical question for you, but who has ever won a war by retreating? <laughs> you have to engage, right? Yeah. Yeah, you have to engage. So and and so you have to engage. And so but the way that we engage is not with the attack but with the love. That's It's an upside down kingdom. We live in an upside down kingdom. That but that's the kingdom agenda of God if you if you remember it. Remember, he's coming back to do his thing on white horses and fire eyes and all this other stuff. We're not, we ain't got to worry about that. The end of the story is the end of the story. But while we're here, we, we move into those neighborhoods or at least extend ourselves into the places where, where we have a group of sin and we show them the love and generosity of God, what has the power to melt all of it. You know, I, I love Adele. So Adele Calhoun, one time in this, when I was reading on this topic in the, in the Disciplines Handbook, she said, And I love it. I think you'll appreciate this quote. She goes, the incarnating disciplines open us to God's heart. They invite us to participate in God's kingdom agenda, his love of justice, his concern for the poor and the oppressed, the widow and the orphan. So who gets to define who's oppressed? What is oppression? I'm being squeezed to the point of pressure. Yeah, there are groups that are under pressure, right? So we can we can show we can show love and 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 kindness to those who are oppressed. Absolutely, because we because as a as a Christian people, we have to understand oppression is a part of our history, our biblical history, the biblical history of the people of Jesus, right? So there's all th- I know I get a lot of flack for this kind of teaching you sometimes because you know we want to we want to leave the room leave room for the for people to get punished don't we we want to leave room for that so we aim to balance the scale with judgment but there is no doubt that God plans to deal with sin but it amazes me that we don't want others to have the same lifetime opportunity that we have had to be transformed by the love of God wow wow uh, isn't that a sin? <laughs> the children speak, but you know it's true. It's we we ne- it seems we we don't want to extend that, and that's the thing that we got to consider. We have we we are so grateful that God allowed us 
as much time as he did for us to find him. But we don't want to extend that same opportunity for them to be transformed. And that is why we have the responsibility to be those pockets of love everywhere we go, because we don't know when when somebody is going to connect. We don't know when someone's going to connect or make a change or a transformation. We don't get to judge that. We just are. We just are here to be be the incarnated love of Christ to people. So to be in the kingdom, like I said, we live in an upside down way. We love our enemies, right? That's what it said. We love our enemies. We 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 bless those who despitefully use us. We there are so there are so many things that we're 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 an upside down way. The kingdom of God is 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 totally the opposite of what happens here. So we we also understand John four seven and eight. We're still in John. Mm-hmm. We're John four. John four. I want to. You went from John to Genesis to John to Genesis, then back to John. And then I did a good job today. John four seven and eight, and it reads. When a Samaritan woman came to draw the water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me drink? Oh, this person. And his disciples had gone in town to buy food. So we had we had we had we had talked about the Samaritan woman earlier this year, didn't we? Mm-hmm. But but even but this is an outgroup. Samaritans were an outgroup. Outsiders. And and Jesus went into the neighborhood. He, and if you remember the story. He, he, he chose to go that way. He didn't have to walk that way to his ne- destination, but he chose to go through the land of the Samaritans and engage this woman who was a part of an outgroup. And she, revolu- and she becomes the first real evangelist. What's an evangelist? We'll talk about it later. She becomes the re- first person to really go out and tell this message to Jesus. This woman. So, who are we missing out on when we don't extend the, the truth and the love? It's not just the love, but the truth as well. The truth comes with it. Truth comes with it. But when we don't extend truth and love, like we said, truth telling is a part of it. So, to love people doesn't mean that we just that we just gloss over the sin. That's not honest either, is it? No. But it's a, ma- it's a matter for us to stand in truth and love. And Jesus told her the truth. Mm-hmm. But in extending to her, he was able to, she was able to, to be reached. And so was her family and those in the town. So we're missing out on people. We're missing out on kingdom expansion here because we're not talking to other people. We're missing out. We're missing out on growing the kingdom because we're not talking to other people. That's the only way to grow. I mean, if you're talking to people that believe like you believe, you haven't done anything. We haven't, we haven't grown. We like it. It's comfortable. But we miss, we miss the expansion. We miss the actual expansion. So remember we, that you know, it says that love is of God and anyone who loves is born of God. I think that's 1 John. Another John scripture. Wow. <laughs> that's your, 1 John 4 and 10, which is way in the back, right? Way in the back, before right before Jude. First John, when Jude is before Revelation, right? First John 4 and 10. It says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son 
as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You know? Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Mm-hmm. So love is that is central. Love is central. And so if we know now that love, to love others, is the love is for both you and the people you can't stand. Amen? <laughs> people that you have a challenge with. So here we are. Um, before we go today, I want to touch on one area. Oh, look at that. This is love. Not that we have loved God, but he loved us. Sent his son as a atoning sacrifice for our sins. Yep. So before we go, I just want to touch on one area that's rarely spoken of. So we just talked about what it means to move into the neighborhood and be of love. But there's one discipline on that list of disciplines. So remember I said here, let me show you the list one more time of incarnating disciplines. So we're, we can see how what we just talked about, how what we just talked about fits into most of these, right? Blessing others, um, compassion, control of the tongue, forgiveness, humility, justice, solidarity in Jesus, stewardship, and truth-telling. But I want to talk about one that we don't get to talk about very often before, before we get out of here because it's not one that that I think um, a, lot of, a lot of people touch on. But let's talk about care for the earth really quickly. Um, and I'm going to go to Genesis. I'm going to go to Genesis. And um, I'm going back to Genesis 1. I'm going back to Genesis 1. And 1, 29 through 30. So... If, all right, I'm going to get 21 through 30, and then we're going to need 2 and 15. So who would like to, who would like to read Genesis 29, 1, 29 through 30? Um, and God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is up on the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of a true healing fruit. To you it shall be for me. Mm-hmm. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for me, and it was so. Mm-hmm. So we just read here, where God says, I'm going to give you all these beautiful plants for you to eat and all of these, and they're going to be yours for food. And I'm going to give you dominion, you know, basically over all the beasts of the earth, right? I'm going to have you going to get put in your stewardship, these animals and everything that has breath. And if it's green plants, I gave it to you for food. Okay. So let's, let's skip over to 215, um, chapter two, verse 15. Mm-hmm. All right. Who would like to jump in there? Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. All right. So we have a situation where God cre- makes this earth, he, this creation. He designates some purposes for for the animals and the and the and the veggies that are on the on the earth, and then he goes in and he says. After he, he gives it to them. And then in 2.15, we read here that the Lord God takes this man, right, this, this, this Adam, this human race, and he puts them 
in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Work it and take care of it. Creation is a gift. Creation is God's gift. To us. Yes. So what did he give us? What was it again? He gave us all the seed-bearing plants, right? The whole earth. Yep. Truth. He gave us the trees that had seeds in them. He gave it to us for food. He gave us the beasts of the earth and the sky and the creatures that move along. Everything that had breath in it and all the green plants. He gave it all of this to us as a gift. And love. And there you go. And then he put us in there and he said to take, do what? Work and do what? Take care of it. Take care of it. Take care of it. So if creation is God's gift, then we have to nurture and maintain it with love and care. It's, you know, we often believe that we're landowners, right? We call ourselves landowners. But according to the scriptures, we're just placed here to work it and take care of it. We're caretakers, not owners. It's his. So we're here as caretakers, right? And so our job is to exercise loving dominion over this earth that he's given us. And because it's, who does it really belong to? God, right? It belongs to God. It's not ours. So this means that we should be concerned with protecting natural resources. We should be concerned with recycling our trash. We should be concerned with and work against land and air pollution. We should. We should treat animals humanely, right? So these are all things that are in our scope and responsibility as caretakers of the earth, right? Because we're here to share the world with them. Share it. We share the world with them. And so they're depending on us to ensure that the earth is going to be in good shape for them as well. Not just for ourselves. Our job is to make sure it's, it's in good shape for them. That is a compassionate way to live. And that's why care for the earth and compassion are in the same list of disciplines. Where it's not just compassion for other people and other groups. We have to have compassion for all that's around us. All of God's created order. All of it. So, all right. Time. Getting ready to wrap up. Getting ready to wrap up. But before we go, here's a quote that I want to give you on this topic that I think will probably crystallize and solidify this for you. Barbara Brown Taylor. She is um, a very well-known um, preacher speaker. Um, and I think she also teaches at like Harvard Divinity School or something of that nature. She's well-known. But Barbara Brown Taylor's quote goes like this on this topic. I love it. She says, um, she said, this land gives us food, our water, these trees that clean the air for us to breathe, all these green and growing things that bless our bodies with their beauty. These are not resources. They are fellow creatures with their own rights and responsibilities to perform if only we will let them. Amen. Mm-hmm. Woo! We coexist with them. Huh? So before we, before we go, I'm going to give us a few reflection questions and to think of, you know, 
and about how you want to apply these practices in your everyday thinking and living. So everything that we talked about today from the and from the incarnate disciplines, right? So again, that list, that blessing others, caring, compassion for the earth, compassion, control of the tongue, forgiveness, humility, justice, solidarity, Jesus, stewardship, truth telling, all these things that we, all these practices that are part of incarnating Christ. And so for our reflection, what we're saying is, you know, let, I'll touch on a few of them in this, in this bundle because it's a lot. But ask yourself today, you know, when have people blessed you in your life? What was that like? Because we're talking, remember we talked about what it means to move into the neighborhood like Jesus did and to be a blessing, you know? And so when have people blessed you in your life? I want you to think about that. Reflect on that, write on that. Um, also, what was that like for you? When, when have you blessed others? What was that like for you? How did that feel? How did, what did you walk away with when that happened? Um, Another question for you is, where does your concern for injustice fit into your daily thought life? You know, ask yourself, you know, do I, do I ever think about injustice and how I'm, how I'm helping, how I'm helping others or things around us, you know? Um, how about this? How do you feel about environmentalists and, or developers who are building? Or how do you feel about animal rights activists? Like, how do you feel about those types of things, these, these concepts and topics? You know, what does it say about your personal view about Dominion? You know, what does it say about that? So I want you just to kind of reflect and think into these questions as we go into our reflection time. You know, write your thoughts somewhere. Ask the Lord to help you expand your impact in the neighborhood that you have moved into. Um, And remember, those places can be intellectual neighborhoods. They could be um, physical neighborhoods. Could be places of work. Could be post office boxes where you pick up your stuff. Wherever he's placed you in, in this time in your life. You know, how do you get to... Be like the incarnate Christ and move into that neighborhood and and be that reflection so that when they see you, they've seen Jesus, who has also, when we see him, we see the Father, right? So I'm going to give you a few moments to do that as we go into our reflection time. And I, I pray that this was a blessing to you, and I'm sure we'll talk about it on the other side. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.